So God's anointing is what? A manifestation of Holy Spirit in some form or fashion doing what? Protecting, restoring, empowering, smearing on. It also is like years ago, you know, whenever the first war with Iraq, we had the new missiles out, right? And what they do, they say, you put the target on it, turn it loose anywhere out in the ocean, and it's going to find, it's going to go to the painted mark. Anointing means targeted or painted mark. So whenever you tap into covenant, whenever you tap in to God's faith, whenever you begin to release true heart of thanksgiving and praise, what happens? It goes forth and paints the target of your breakthrough. It goes forth. That's why I said this is a year of uncommon anointing. What's that mean? Anointing that you may have a common anointing that you feel when you pray. A common anointing when you release your faith. A common anointing when you believe for healing and you get some of it. A common anointing that, you know, you release by sowing and reaping and over your finances. And it's, it, you're familiar. You know that anointing. Like, like you knew when the anointing was on you to step out and say what you said. That's common. You, you're familiar with it. It's good because you've done it enough that you've learned what the ways of the Lord. It's one thing to know God, but it's another thing to know his ways. The anointing is a manifestation of you operating in the ways of God. <laughs> Uncommon anointing is anointing you haven't been exposed to or familiar with yet. Uncommon anointing is a supernatural way that God does something for you, with you, or through you, or on your behalf that you could not do on your own. This is a year of uncommon anointing. Covering, smearing represents covering. It's an uncommon anointing as you go deeper in your covenant with this house, deeper in your covenant with your heavenly father. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. There's a personal anointing and, and also the Bible talks about the anointing being a fragrance or an attraction. You say, well, man, every time a prophet's here, it seems like they want to prophesy over me. Some of you are hiding, hoping they don't, and they do. But you that usually get it and want it, and you go, well, I was kind of sitting toward the back because I felt bad every time a prophet comes or a prophetess, I, I get prayed for. That's because of the anointing on you. It's a fragrance of God's presence on you that draws the prophetic word to you. I can go in a congregation of 5,000, if there's a prophet there, pretty likely there's going to be some focus on me, and I don't even have to know them. It don't happen every time, but it happens enough to go, whoo, man, how'd they know that? But boom, they'll call me out or they'll do this. Why? Because the fragrance of the anointing on my life. So the Bible says Jesus is God's anointed and you're God's anointed. So if you're God's anointed, that means that before time began, when God knew you, the Bible says, he went into your future even before you were born and painted a target on you for his fragrance. So is it 2 Timothy 1.9 or 1 Timothy 1.9? I always get it confused. I've just quoted it for 25 years. He who is what? Saved and called. Not according to his own works, 
but according to what? The grace of God in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time began, God saved and called you, but you have to accept it. Everyone's a free will. You, you have to accept it. You're not saved until you accept it and receive it and believe it and speak it. But God knew you before time. I could take you back in Isaiah and show you there's books about you in heaven with things God would love to do through your life. Books, not a, just a book on you. Everyone he created, he has a book in heaven on. And in those books, it's written the promises about you. But you won't get that through hoping. You won't get that by being halfway committed. You won't get that by robbing God. You won't get that by shirking your responsibilities. And I'm not preaching religion on you. I'm just telling you the truth. You get it through a heart of faith, thanksgiving, and praise. The Bible says you can't even enter his courts. Psalm 99 or 100, he says, enter my courts, plural, with thanksgiving and praise. And each court is what? You got praise, you got worship, and you got holy of holies, is that what it is? There's three levels, three courts. What's a court? There's an outer court, inner court, and the holy of holies. So you can't get into holy holies until you get into the outer court, he says, come into my courts what, with thanksgiving and praise. When you come in with thanksgiving and praise, that's the outer court. It's like coming up to a mansion. It has a, a courtyard out here. Then you get a little closer to the mansion. It has a courtyard, you know, pretty court. But when you get inside, you're in the holy of holies. And when you want to see things that go beyond you and affect generations, that's when you get in the holy of holies. Well, what does holy mean? This isn't even my message, but I guess God says it is, so it is. What does holy mean? The Greek word hegios. It means separate from a profane use to a godly use. Holiness means other or separate. And there's a few other adjectives and things for it. God is other. Right? Why? Because he's holy. He's hagios. When he says for you to live a holy life, he's not talking about right and wrong. He's talking about your heart, your attitude. If that's right, you'll do right. You can't do right till you be right. You got to be right, then you'll do right. Everybody's trying to do right, but they not be right. You got to be right to do right. We, we try to do it backwards. We want the blessing, and then we'll honor God. Well, God, you know, if you just give me a $1,000 a month raise, I'll tithe. Then I can pay my bills. That's backwards. Well, God, I'll just really commit to serving when I can get a little more time. No, that's backwards. Well, God, I'll just be a little more anointed. No. It all starts with the attitude of the heart. That's what the prayer of thanksgiving and praise does. Even when you don't feel like it in the flesh and you'll just start it, what happens? you begin to melt, you begin to transform, you become open. It's like you come in here and probably didn't even feel like coming on a cold, rainy day, and boy, they hit the keyboards and the guitar, and within a couple of minutes, you're like, woo, I'm ready to praise now. But you may not have praised when you got out of bed this morning. You may not have praised uh, shaving or getting ready in the bathroom, right? You know, not praise when you're arguing with the kids on the way to church. Right? 
You, you wouldn't pray, but, but you got here because there's what, and what, what Teresa said, there's an atmosphere of praise. And in the atmosphere of praise, it's easy to praise. In the atmosphere of anointing, it's easy to feel an anointing. That's called what? The corporate anointing. That's God's anointing on his household of faith. The Bible, it's not a building, it's a household of faith. Who is that? The lively stones, the Bible said, is the household of faith. The lively stones. We're not bricks. We're stones. We're each unique and got our own edges and our own blessing and things that we're working on and our good solid stuff. We're stones. We're unique, every one of us. But God said you're not a dead stone. You're not a useless stone. You are cut from the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the cornerstone, the foundation. Anytime you build a a structure, you have to start in one corner. In the old days, they put a stone and leveled it there because they didn't have all this fancy stuff, and then they'd level. They'd start on that cornerstone, the greatest place of strength and accuracy and level, and, and every other stone was cut and built coming off of that stone to give you a foundation. That's why Jesus gave the illustration, a house, not built on, a house built on sand won't stand. It'll fall. But a house built on a rock will stand forever. We are built on the rock of ages. We are built on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are built on the creator of all things. We are created. We, we are built on the stone that is the dominant force that has ever been, the alpha and that will ever be the Omega. From beginning to ending, we are part of the foundational stone. We are sons and daughters in the family household of God. And anytime the Bible says, well, you get two or three together, I'll be in the midst of you. Woo. What's that thing about you pray, it says, uh, or something like that, one, one, when you're standing together, one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand, three can put a million to flight. What can four hundred do? What can a thousand do? What can ten thousand do? The difference is who are the four hundred? It could be ten thousand with four, it could be forty with a million or a hundred million. Because God doesn't go by growth. I, I, I was teaching one of the classes of membership, and it's about we come into covenant to stand and believe with the church for Bethel Harvest to grow. I said, here, add something to that. Not just grow, but to be health, grow in health and growth. In other words, it don't matter if you get big and you're not healthy. We've been bigger and not healthy, and it wasn't fun. Now, I don't want to stay the size we are because I want to be more effective for God but I can't give the increase. The Bible said God gives the increase. So I'll just be thankful for whatever's here and thankful for what's coming. But somebody say, we crossing over. So the church, Bethel, the place of welcome, the place of home, the place of household, the place of family, as you know, the anointing has been so strong in recent years and it's getting stronger. And the kingdom of God is taken by what? force. You're not going to grow your your walk with God. You're not going to grow in your life if you're not 
operating by the force of the kingdom. You're, you're not going to grow in a ministry, a business, or anything like that, a family, if you're not taking it by force. What? The force of the king of kings. The force of that name that's above every name, Jesus. The force of anointing. The force of presence. The force of power. That's why God gave us such a word and gave me such a word that my life's mission is to bring two streams together, integrity and faith in God's word. You see how important faith and his word is? Bring together two streams, integrity and faith in his word and manifestation and demonstration of his glory. Glory, doxa, God's manifested presence, his shining, his seen. Make God seen, make God known, make God praised, make God worshiped, make God loved. Not served out that he must have some little weak, inferior God. Look how messy that group of people are. No, 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 not this church. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. See, I'm crossing over. Oh, hallelujah. I was trying to get to Jehoshaphat, but I don't think I will today. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Well, maybe just a minute. Maybe just a minute, man. Anybody help a brother with a Bible? They say I can get that thing sewed back together, but I got a bunch of them back there like that, son. Get a bunch of them sewed back together. Turn me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 real quick. You know, it's serious when I put the old reading glasses on. I'm doing pretty good not to have to wear glasses or contacts, and really I can read it, but I'd have to get down like this, and I don't want to look too stupid, right? Especially when I mark it up like that anyway. It's kind of a mess. <clears throat> We look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're talking about the subject of thanksgiving and praise. I think Pastor Toy, oh, I know what I was going to tell you. So how many of you during the Two Streams Conference, God gave you some encouragement, some direction, or some things he wants to do for you in your life? Just wave at me. Now, if you don't have them written down, write them down. Because that's a target. And you're the fragrance. And what you got to do is paint that thing out because this is a year of crossing over. This, what is supernatural promotion? A promotion you're not qualified for, you don't deserve, or that came way, way sooner than anyone ever thought, and it always brings uh, blessing and finances and favor with it. Supernatural promotion. Not natural. Natural promotion is step by step work. You do. You just do what you you do what you're supposed to do. The best you do of all your heart. Be the best one there. All that stuff. But boy, when God puts His super on your natural, they they'll, they'll meet you and say, "We don't even know why we're giving you that position. I could get in trouble, but I just have to." You say, "I know why." I mean, I'll say it out loud, but you'll know. Your supernatural promotion. And supernatural what breakthrough. What's a breakthrough? It's not through to it's through. Breakthrough means really in faith, the moment you make a decision to have a breakthrough, you have it. A breakthrough isn't out there when it manifests. A breakthrough is right here when you make the decision by faith. It manifests because you make the decision by faith and the anointing of God, you painted a target on what it is and you're going after the fragrance of God until you get it. 
and through is important. That's how, you know, at one time those chairs you're sitting in was that, but now they're this. You know, this new sound system, it was that for a long time, but now it's this. What in your life is this right now that used to be that? That car you was bleeding for, that spouse you was bleeding for, those children that's driving you crazy, you prayed for and fasted for, and now you got them. You're like a dog chasing a car and it gets its tooth hung in a tire and it wants the car to let it go. Some of us said, let her pray, kids, let me go. <laughs> but that was that before, now it's this. What in your life is this now? Let it build your faith that you were believing for. You know, we were believing for things, you know, and we still do. And then sometimes we just have to, that's what giving thanks is. I'm giving thanks for this so I can pursue that. God's not going to give you that till you give thanks for this. Mm. That boy preaching now, I'm just telling you, he's just preaching. He's just preaching today. It's easy today. Y'all got me on third base. I think really I'm about halfway home before I ever got up here. That's a preacher's term. Set me up, at least get me to first base, and I'll go from there. I mean, I don't want to have to start from the batter's box every service. And I just about, I don't know, you all might have hit a home run. I might be the second run today. I don't know. Look me in, and I love that. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We look at Jehoshaphat in chapter 19. King Jehoshaphat brought the children of Israel back to God. They had fallen away from God, false idols. He brought them back to be the house of God, the family of God. He brought them back to prosperity and, and strength and holiness and power. But now, after all that happens in chapter 20, he has three different nations hate God so much and hate him so much, they're, they're on their way to destroy them. They would have no prayer. One nation is twice as big as Israel, but they got three of those nations coming that hate each other but they're becoming comrades to destroy what's God. You, you have devils line up together that hate each other to destroy you. You have demon forces. You have, you have people at work that can't stand you and can't stand one another, but they'll come together to destroy you. Hmm. Yeah, I know that's good. So anyway, he's facing this, and he gives us a quick lesson of how this happens. I hope it's quick for your sake. <laughs> says that I'll start in verse 1 then I'll jump it says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1 it said it happened after that that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and the others we know there was at least another one that gives a name in a minute so there might have been more than three and the others with them besides the Amorites okay there was three right there and even more came to battle against Jehoshaphat and then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in uh, Hazan Tamar, Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. I'm going to show you how to cross over from fear to faith here in a minute. Say, I'm praising my way to victory. <clears throat> when Jehoshaphat feared, set himself aside to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast. Ooh, anybody on a fast? Proclaimed a fast throughout the church. I mean, Judea. Throughout, and so Judah, who is Judah? Judah gathered together. Who is that? That's the tribe of praise. Aaron's tribe was a tribe of priests. 
all the 12 tribes, each one of them had a unique gifting and calling and anointing from God. <clears throat> this was the tribe of praise. They were the ones with the instruments, the voices, the creativity and all that. That's where David was from. And they gathered together to help, <clears throat> to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Judah, that, that tribe was David's tribe. That's why it was the city of Judah. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Hmm. Not talking about people, talking about court. And said, because they just moved into something new and great and look out. Now they're going to be destroyed. Then Jehoshaphat, when he did it, he said, verse six, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? He's asking God a question, not cussing him out. He's asking him a question. Cursing him, I guess. <clears throat> Verse seven. And, you not, and, and are you not God, our God who drove, uh, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to it's descendants of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And he's asking that question. Are you not that God? And they dwell in it and have built your, you a sanctuary in it for your name. Now he's smart. He's taking away. He's reminding God of the things God did and said. And then he's giving glory to God and telling him, I don't own it anyway. It's yours, God. That's smart to do if it's yours. It's not your house. If it's your house, you pay for it. Okay. Verse 9. <clears throat> If disaster comes upon us, uh, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple. We will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is this temple, and cry out to you in affliction, and you will hear and say. And now, here we are, the people, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from but but they turned from them and did not destroy them. We wouldn't let their ancestors destroy them. Verse eleven. Here they are rewarding us by coming and throw us out of what your possession. So you can't give thanks and praise if you own it. Okay, it's your kids. You heal them. It's your kids, let them live on your blessing instead of God's blessing. If you can't give them to God, you're cheating your kids. That's why we do children dedication, but it's more than a one-time thing. You got to constantly give your children to God. <clears throat> this is <clears throat> verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But your eyes... But our eyes are upon you. Well, you know, when you don't know what to do, that's a good place to look. That's what fasting is, right? Setting yourself aside to quiet your flesh down and your mind down so you can seek God clear and, and hear him and focus on him. Verse 13, now all Judah with them, with them, the ones uh, there with their wives or children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord, hmm, which is the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord, or the anointing of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. 
the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jeel, the son of Matthiah, a Levite, who, who is the tribe of priests, uh, of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Now, some say that this kid, Jehaziel, was about 12 years of age. Some say he was a young adult. You know, you can research it out. But anyway, he is a son. Didn't come from the king. Didn't come from the priest. Came from a member of the congregation. God speak through a donkey, a rock. He don't care. He's just going to tag whoever gets him first. That's who gets him. Verse 15, he said, listen, all you in Judah. This is God. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dis- nor dismayed. I don't want you afraid and I don't want you discouraged because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. And Pastor Toye just pointed this out so eloquently and what he said, he didn't use, it, he used a different passage, but it's like, When you make it God's, what? He takes over. When you give thanks and praise to God, he intervenes on your behalf himself. He brought his very own spirit into this situation. Verse 16. He's going to tell them what to do. Just go down through probably a million people here or more or whatever. I mean, three full nations. says, uh, Here's what you do. Don't be afraid or dismayed. Now, when you hear what he tells them to do, you might get scared if he wasn't. It says, tomorrow, go down against them. Okay. We've been in church for a week, praying and fasting, but okay. <clears throat> tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz or by the rock cliff Ziz. And you will find, what? You will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Now, they could probably hear them. You imagine if a million or more soldiers, horses and animals and beasts and all that stuff and weapons, they're sharpening and making weapons and fire burning and smoke burning and the sound of their, have to carry their goats and sheep and stuff with them to feed themselves and animals and all that. You imagine all that noise with a million plus you know, soldiers over there, you're just in that little valley, man. You're just, so you go by Rock's Ziz, they're right down there in that valley over there. Can you imagine you're here now, you're going to, you talk about the devil screaming at you over a million fold, and you're going to have a couple hundred little thousand hoping something good happens. But then God doubles down even more. I mean, you know, God just, you know, he really wants us to know a lot of times it really didn't have anything to do with us, but our faith and thanksgiving. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I guess as I get older, I get slower, Rick. I don't know. I just slow down. I used to be so fast, I'd go through 12 of these scriptures and be on another sermon. But the Lord's grown me up a little bit. Look here now. It says, you will not need to fight them in this battle. Well, well if I'm, uh, God, if we're going out there, uh, they're coming to kill us, and they're just right over there in that valley, down around beside that rock cliff, that's real cool. We're going to go out here, but we don't have to fight them. Okay, Lord. I wasn't scared by him now. <laughs> Says, uh, you won't have to fight them. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What's he saying? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Not just physical protection, but covenant. Salvation is a covenant. Jesus cut the blood covenant. 
that we are atoned through the blood of Jesus. That's the covenant. And it says at the end of your Bible, he is the new covenant, the new testament. It said, stand on your covenant of salvation. So you're not just born again so you don't sin a lot. You're not just born again to get a ticket to heaven. You're born again because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away and all things are new. Is what Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen I think it is somewhere in there. <clears throat> See, I didn't prepare this message for you. So just God's just giving it to me. Amen. So position yourself and stand in the salvation of the Lord, for He is with you, O Judah, Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. He tells him again. He must have saw a little fear in him. Tomorrow, go out against them. I thought you said we didn't have to fight them. Now we got to go, and then we got to go go out against them. For the Lord is with you. Okay, Lord, hope you're with us. <laughs> Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head down with his face to the ground. And all of Judah, everyone in the inhabitants of Jerusalem, bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. What happened? Worship gets God's attention. So he was sending them out, but look out now. You start worshiping, woo, giving thanks. Verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohanites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of God of Israel. Ooh, they went from worship to praise now. That's why I always like y'all to have it on high praise when I come up to preach. If I want to operate in the prophetic, I'll come up while you're worshiping. See, I like that high praise, man. I like to at least be on second base, Paul. You know what I'm saying? Lord God of Israel with the voices loud and high. It's verse 20. So then they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. I used to know what that meant. It's a pretty good thing. I just can't remember it now, uh, that name in the Hebrew. They went out to Tekoa. Just lost my spot. I'm going to get in trouble. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Believe in the Lord God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. That's why God always gives us a prophetic word every year to, for the church to stand and believe on. So I want you to take whatever God said to you coming into 2023, whether it's in the conference or not, and what he said to you as you're on your fast, right? And realize that, that we're standing on that and believing. You, this last week, just start giving thanks to God that you've received it. Just giving thanks. All week, you're just giving thanks and praying. Giving thanks and praising all week. And believe what the prophets say. Verse 21. <clears throat> and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and, those, and, went, and, and who should praise beauty, the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army. And they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They're going out. They're not even worried about their swords. They're, they're, the praise team is leading them into battle. Praise and worship leading them into the battle. What are they doing? They're drawing the attention of God. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise, <clears throat> the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Well, you say, well, how were they defeated? Did God just take a big old sword? No, he don't have to. He controls the hearts of men. Here's what he did. Verse 23. 
it was an uncommon anointing that did it this time. It wasn't David or, you know, Samson. No, it's just an uncommon way, a common, a common anointing that God did it. Verse 23, for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. In other words, three nations slaughtered themselves because they had a spirit of murder on them and God released that, released them to do what was in their heart to one another. See, before Satan had them aligned to kill God's people, but when the veil was lifted, the spirit of murder was on them, they were gonna kill whatever was in front of them. God would turn Satan on himself to bless you if you'll stand on his salvation and his covenant. God will stand hell on its head if you'll give thanks and praise him with all your heart. Oh, this gets better. That's a pretty good start. Verse 24. So then when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were, there, there were dead bodies falling all over the earth. No one had escaped. Man, when God, when God fights on your behalf, it's 100% win. Verse 25. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. Just think, they had to carry their purses with them, their jewelry with them, their, all their gold, you know, to buy stuff. Imagine a million, million or more of them and all those bodies. And then not that, they had to bring all their food with them, their animals, their livestock to feed them. It says, when Jehoshaphat had hurt and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they had stripped off them for themselves because a lot of them worshiped false devils. They had amazing jewelry in their noses and all that stuff. And they stripped off for themselves and that doesn't have anything to do with somebody having it in their nose today. You live under a new covenant. Get religion out of you. You're not God. You don't decide who pierces what. You, you want to know that God pierces hearts. That's what he's, he's in the heart business, not the flesh business. Anyway, just a side note. I know, Lord, I'm trying. Okay. <clears throat> they stripped it off for themselves more than they could carry away, more than they could carry away. I'm telling you, 2023, you're going to cross over into the blessing and favor of God. It's going to be more than you can cross away. That's like where God said, dig the ditches, right? Get ready. The rain's coming. Dig the ditches, the prophet said. Dig the ditches. And the ditches came out of the drought and overflowed. But you can only handle as much of the blessing as you prepare for. You can only handle as much of the blessing you can prepare for. So the ditch, ever how deep the ditch was is how great the blessing. It's like with the widow woman, whenever the prophet said, get up, go out and get all the, she said, we don't have any jars, but a couple. She said, go out and get all you can get. And, and whenever she got all she could get, as far as she knew anyway, they were all filled, paid her debtors off, gave her money to live on and to raise her family with. But just think, if she had more jars, she'd had more blessing. I wonder how much blessing just poured out that those jars couldn't contain. Oh, don't rob me in your tithes and offerings. See that I will not open up the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing on you. That there's what? Not room enough to contain. One bank account won't handle what God's got for you if you'll just get in line with him. Verse 26, 
And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley, this is good, of Baraka. Baraka, the valley of Baraka. I'm going to tell you what it means here in a minute. You're going to like it. For there, everybody say there, they bless the Lord. Look, here's the name of it. For the name of that place was called the Valley of Baraka. But get this, in Hebrew, it means the Valley of Blessing. He just didn't give them a blessing. He just didn't give them more than enough. He moved them into a lifestyle of blessing. He moved them into their dwelling places, their working places, their living places. Every place their feet touched was blessed because that was the valley of blessing that God gave them. Now, God didn't only give them victory and save their lives, their family, and save what they had. But when they turned their heart truly to God to another, it wasn't like they wasn't already loving God and giving thanks, but it, they crossed over. Whenever you think you're going to die, you'll find some faith somewhere. Whenever it's your kid, you'll be praying and crying and believing for faith. You'll sow then. You'll do whatever. Take what I got. I just want my baby heal. You know, you, want, you need a, all of a sudden you wake up one day, you need a 13-tier wedding cake and you haven't prepared for a donut. You 13, 13-tier wedding cake faith and you got a donut faith over here. See, I'm crossing over. I know, I'm in trouble, man. The timekeeper, she's giving me the look. <laughs> Al, I just love her. She's awesome. What a little leader. No, she's not little now. She's a leader. I just stopped right there because I just felt the anointing. Hallelujah. Woo! Just felt it in my left hand. And, and the Lord reminds me whenever... Was it Joshua that had to stop the sun or had to stop the sun? And who was it? Aaron and who else? Two of them held up his hands when he commanded it to stop. And as long as his hands were up, it stayed daylight so they could finish the battle and win. And then the two, I think one of them was Aaron, wasn't it? Two of them held up, huh? Aaron and her, her, her. See, her got right in the Bible, didn't she? <laughs> now I'm just teasing. Aaron and her. He and she, but really her was a he. They were holding up the arms of the prophet, the man of God. And as they held up the head of the house, the head of the nation, God even stopped nature so they could get their victory. When we stand in the salvation of the Lord individually and as a church family in covenant, we can make the sun stop if we need to for a little bit. We can make anything happen when we speak with one voice. When we're in unity and thanksgiving and praise and worship, all of a sudden, the gift of faith will come that won't even involve your faith. It'll be God's faith. God will intervene himself on these situations. Now, think about that word. We're getting ready to pray. I know you're getting hungry or whatever. You know, Miss Gwen gave us that vision God gave her on the front row and then also at her house. <clears throat> yeah, you guys come on up. Gertrude said, thank God if the band goes up, it won't be much longer. Roy, Elroy said, they should have been up there 15 minutes ago. Are they just lazy or what's the problem? <laughs> Keep you extra 10 minutes just for Elroy and Ethel. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
think I lost my thought right there. It must, must have been I was in sin. I, I repent, Lord. Hallelujah. What was I saying just before I insulted people? Huh? Miss Gwen's prophecy. Her vision. It's a vision. And one of the things she said, talking about us moving over into all these great things that God's doing and the glory of God, the light she saw was really the, the grace and the glory of God at the greatest level we've ever seen here. She said, now there'll be problems and things happen, but don't put your attention on them. She said, pray and release your faith and just get focused back on God and the good things he's doing and those things will take place. And I think a DJ that, you know, had that terrible car wreck thrown out of the window on life support. You know, what was it, Megan? By the third day, he was up walking. He's off life support. Third day, he's off life support. Fourth day, he was walking. The sixth day, they released him to go home. I don't know if he went back to work that month, right after Christmas. He's already been back to work. And God's still doing stuff in his body, but my goodness, you're already back to work making deals. Now, uh, 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 what's six? That's the number of man. God said, I'm going to show you man can do this much, but I'm the seventh day anointing, the wholeness, the perfection, and the completeness. And I think it's, DJ is kind of a representation, Miss Queen, of the type and shadow because it, it did, when I got that copyright, I love him like a son. So it brought great fear. I was thinking of them babies and Miranda, and, and I'm like, oh, God, it's like I got to get up and preach an hour, and I'm crying, trying to get ready. I mean, I'm human too. And Pastor Mark, if you want, Pastor, I'll preach, or we'll just praise. And I said, no, I got to do this. And Steph and Parker went down there, and then some others, Jay and Paul were down there. And, uh, I just said, I told the guy, I, just, I think I texted you all too. I said, stand on Miss Gwen's word. Stand on the prophet's word. She said, let's pray and release our faith and let's focus on God. Pray and release our faith. And, and we got our seventh day anointing because of that, of moving into wholeness, healing, and perfection. I just want you to realize, guys, we're crossing over. Now, now, you can get left behind on the other side and that miserable mess you want to. And if it's not miserable, it will be because you'll get tired of it. Good is only good for a while. You ought to get gooder if you want to get better. 